and from the heart. We appreciate that. We are um, as we come this morning. Um, we are into Isaiah, and in the book of Isaiah, of course, there's a passage of scripture that we uh, all know, but we want to uh, go through it and make sure that we're we're on target. And um, and it says, and the gift of God that uh, that's more than enough. The gift of God that is more than enough. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, how we look to you. Thank you for your great love. And your love is more than enough. As we look at the passage of scriptures and what have you, and as we see what needs to be said here, help us, Lord, to um, keep it personal. May all that we do think and say be precious in your sight, O oh Lord, our Redeemer. And all the saints say, amen. amen. There's a slight hum in that, try that down. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We know that verse, don't we? But, but some of us can just quote it right off. Na, 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 na. That, that's great. That's great. I thought that we'll go back because I think it's important that we understand the dynamics of who put this whole thing together. That wonderful counselor. And all that he does and all that he is doing in and through our lives. It'd be good to just go back and just reflect. See, when we reflect on the past, it strengthens us for today so that we, we can be effective for tomorrow. And so as we look at this, and this is a, uh, a great time to do it, when we think about our, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we go back before the shepherds were in the field. And we, of course, we look at some theological things also, but in our uh, in introduction then, we just want to move through some thoughts real quickly. During this special season, the activity of gift giving will be taking place. I don't know how many of you have finished your list, or whatever the case may be. You might be the person that says, I'm the Grinch of Christmas. I'm not giving anything. Um, maybe I'm talking about myself or something like that. Okay. The importance and impact of this activity have a tendency to define the character and uniqueness of the giver. Whenever you give a gift... It's greatly appreciated, but when you see who's giving it and why they're giving. And sometimes we, um, we don't stop to thank God who, who gave the gift. That's why you have eternal life. Somebody gave it. We look on, on television, they say, and this is free. Nothing is free. Somebody had to pay for it, for it to be free for you. There's a price on everything. And so as we go through this, a gift must be given for, for a purpose and benefit, uh, and benefit the receiver. A gift must be given with forethought. 
during this special season, we give a gift must be given with good intentions. Observation. God our Father gave a gift to a rebellious and dying world that had no means of saving itself. We, we call it in the classroom the depravity of man. Man was totally deprived and they still think they're a bunch of something when they're nothing. And the more you think you're something, you're validating that you're nothing. Because God says, I'm the one who defines you. I'm the one who, who created you. Before sin happened, I had you on my mind. Before you came into existence, nations, before nations were formed, you will never, there'll never be another one of you. So don't mess up you. Question, why? God gave his gift to a rebellious and dying world that had no means of saving itself. Why did he do it? He had his angels. He had all. Why would God even think about what is man that thou art mindful of him? Why would God just think about us at all? We just stop for a moment and think, what makes you think that God, out of all that he's doing, makes you so important that he's supposed to get, he's supposed to listen to you? Why? Why did God choose to have a prophet to predict a, a, a blessed hope? A nation was, was, that was rebellious. A nation that was reckless with the holy things of God. A nation that had been ripped apart by the violence of others. A nation that had God and the law of Moses yet turned to their own personal agenda. Why would God? And whenever you do a study, always, bring your, always take your friends. Whenever you're dealing with a situation, always use your six friends. You'll get the answer if you don't. If you leave one of them out, you will not get the answer. Oh, you know them. Who, what, when, why, how, you know. You know who, what, when, why, how, where, okay. And so we, you know what it is. These, these are the six friends. When, the six, when you take these six friends, then we ask, oh, Lord, why did you do all this? Okay. Why did you do it? Answer. Because by his grace and mercy, he chose them before they were ever a nation, just like he chose us before the foundation of the world, before sin made its entry into the heart of man. That's why he did it. That's when he did it. Before the foundations of the world, God shows you in the beloved. And through all of this mess and all of the murders and all of the wars and everything else, you're sitting here in this seat on a sunny day while part of the nation is, is flooded or whatever the case may be. You're sitting in a dry place because God says, I purpose it to be that for you. And so if God purposed it for, that, for him, for you to be what you are right now, he has a purpose for your life that you need to put, be, put it into gear. So we always ask the question, why? And I have to keep reevaluating myself. Why? I cannot let people define me or situations define me or I can't let my emotions define me. I need to stay in the word of God. And this is the season where God says, I want you all to sit down and rethink. 
Yes, I gave the gift, but do you ever consider the giver? Think they do. Let us consider the amazing gift that God our Father has given us. We'll go through, it is a personal gift. It is a precious gift. It is a productive gift. Now, we'll go with the first, the, the personal. And we won't hold you a long time. Just, just go over these things. Uh, and when we think about this whole idea of uh, personal gift, I have 6A because of we breaking the verse down. And so when we look at the verse then, it comes into play. The first part of this verse reveals the great mercy and grace that God has decided to show by doing two things. One, the plan. He decided to redeem man by producing a perfect man through the means of a supernatural birth, a child is born. It didn't say, it, it didn't say unto man, God was born. It didn't go out with all of the splendor. No, all of a sudden, God, God uses something that we can identify with. And many times I see some of the commercials on television that really blow me away. There's one I've been trying to get Karen to see where there's, there's a, um, this African-American father and his son's on, on the floor. And, he's, and the father's doing, uh, he's doing the push-ups, okay? And uh, as he's, 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 while he's doing that, he's telling his son, come on, son, I want you to do the same, you know. And um, so he lays back, one, and, and, the, son, and the little son, the little boy would say, one, and he would go like this, you know. And he said, two, and he would say, two, you know. I mean, and, and it was, we said, four, you know why it was so cute? You know why, they, why people were looking at that? They were looking at the child. See, things that get us is music, the cuteness of a child. Oh, they'll use it for a commercial because it's the hook. It says, and unto us, not the magnitude of God and the angels saying, holy, holy, holy. All of a sudden, God goes to some obscure place, Bethlehem, into a stable and into a feed trough. He lays a child. And God makes his entry, the God of the universe makes his entry in one of the darkest times, the one of the most obscure places. He makes his appearance, and nobody really understands it but the shepherds. They're also sitting in the dark. A nation under the darkness of the, uh, the Roman Empire, everything was dark, but God is good at hanging out in the dark. Matter of fact, he'll say, let there be light, and there was light. He decided, he decided to save man. The, the two profile, to us a son is given, a divine son, a holy son, an obedient son. A son born as a, a sacrifice for the redemption of man. The purpose and intention of man is revealed by the quality of the gift. God gave heaven's best to reconcile man back to himself. It says, number one, a child is born. Then it says, but wait a minute. What I'm giving you is not born. I give you this, which means what? I've already, it's, it's already in existence, and I give it to you. A son is given. 
The child is for the satisfaction of God. The child will be the perfect sacrifice because he has to become man and die for the sin of men. But a son is given. The son part is his responsibility is growing up as, as a son, total submissive to the father. He satisfies the God, all the God's requirements, die for our sins. It's a twofold thing going on. It's a physical and a spiritual. Do you see this going on? It's a physical, a child. A son, spiritual. They call it, they call it when Jesus Christ, and you've heard me say this over and over again, they call it when, when Jesus Christ, uh, when God became man, it's called the hypostatic union. That is perfect God and perfect man becoming one forever. Now who can top that gift? And all for the sake of saving you and you and you. Why? This, uh, 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 the song that we sing when we were really down, young. Jesus loved me. This I know. For the Bible told me so. And as we celebrate Christmas, don't forget the hand that made it possible. What type of hand is that? Don't ever accuse him of not caring. Especially when you're sitting and eating his cornbread. He loves you. He loves you very much. Christmas was, has a real meaning when we realize God's love for us. It is the proof, provision, and display of his kind intentions toward us. If you want to know how much God loves you, then keep looking at what God has provided for your eternity. And for someone to go to church and look at God's word and pay no attention to the gift, then you go up to a place where God prepared for the devil and his angels. It's called the lake of fire. Not hell. Oh, not going to, no, you're not going to hell. You go, death and hell will be tossed into the lake of fire. Fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. It's for those who totally reject the goodness of God. In the spiritual realm, one third of the angels rejected the glory and magnitude of God and followed Satan. And then when man bit of the fruit, the world was plunged into sin, and they are doing the same things the angels did in heaven. And so the punishment that God has given in heaven, he's going to give to every man also. But when the judgment went out, God says, I love man. And I'm going to redeem him by going down, sending my son, part of the Godhead, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Part of the, I'll send my son to die for their sins. I love you too much. I don't want you to burn there forever. See, we hear the word forever so much because we're, we're not a part of it yet. <laughs> At least we don't sense the reality of it. But if you just stop for a moment and just think, every time a person die in their sins, they will burn in the lake of fire forever. I cannot imagine that. Neither can I imagine 
the magnitude of God's love, the holy as, holy as he is, how he puts up with all this mess. And quit thinking about the world. I mean, even, even in the church. Folks come to church or they come into a building, they sing a few songs and think it's supposed to satisfy a holy God that put it all on the altar for you. Where did you get that thinking? We have to go back to uh, Theology 101, looking back at the holy and magnificent God that we serve. God so loved us. And we need to think about that. Then we come to number two. Number two, we think about it is a precious gift. When we, first, it's, it's personal. And when it's personal, it means that God initiated it. Then we see it's a precious gift. The precious gift, when we, th we think about this whole thing about a precious gift, then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's break it on down. Really, there's a message really just starting with just wonderful, wonderful counselor, but we'll just go over the, the names. His position, the government, providing order and direction. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Governor Jesus is in his hands. And whatever he says, you better not march on it. It's settled once and for all. And the government shall be on his shoulder. No more crooked courts, no more crooked lawyers, no more the land of no more will be no more. The government will be on his shoulder. And all the folks who are image managing, managing God's going to point you out. All those been lying to yourself and trying to lie to God, point you out. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And as we look at this then, his personal involvement and excellent resource and giving directions as the wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. Why is it that we tell other folks our problems before we take it to the Lord? Why is it that we don't take that time out? To, you, you learned it in uh, school when, when your clothes catch on fire. Stop, drop, and roll. What is it? So if you didn't learn in school, here's your lesson. Stop, drop, and roll. Roll it over to the Lord. Stop what you're doing. Drop to your knees and roll it over to the Lord. And we find saying stress out and the Lord says, you're not following the fire rule. Stay with the plan. Stop, drop, and roll, and thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. His power, mighty God, providing protection. We have a mighty God that, regardless of what the nation says, what the world says, we have a mighty God. The, the, uh, the, uh, the Hebrew boys, they'll tell you if things get too hot, he'll walk in there with you. If the animals get out of shape like lions, he'll shut their mouths. We have a mighty God. When things get too dry, he'll, he'll send the rain. You can't put him in a box. He's a mighty God. And when you think you go too far, God only lets his children go so far before he snatched them back. 
Why? Because he's a mighty God. And if God be for us, what? Who can be against us? His provision, everlasting Father meeting all of our needs. When I think about this whole idea of everlasting Father, I, I, I think about my, my dad, he died when I was about nine years old. And I remember hearing my mother crying, and, uh, and she went into the bathroom, but she was, she, was, she was praying and crying so loud you could hear her outside. And she was saying, oh, God, how can I, was, was a child down on Bruce and Beverly. These four children, husband was uh, killed on Stony Island. Uh, the car accident man uh, hit him. His head hit the cement, uh, took him to the hospital. They had him in the hallway, and he died in the hallway, unattended. They came back, they gave the news, and, uh, and my mother was, was, was hearing this, and, um, and she screamed out. And she went in the, in the bathroom and closed the door. She, she didn't, because dad was the, was the breadwinner. We all depended on dad, he was a mechanic. It was dad who, who, who uh, when he gets home, I knew he was tired, but whenever he would get home, he would get us all together, and he started telling us these, stir, these scary uh, stories, you know, and he would sing a little song to, to kind of beef it up, and uh, I mean, just, but we knew that he was doing all that. It was, it was dad who disciplined us. Some of you may think it was cruel, but, but we knew that he loved us. We'd get out of line, we'd disobey him, what have you, he'd throw us all in the closet. And then he'll walk in the rain to get some potato chips, open the door of the closet, put the potato chips in, close the door. <laughs> we didn't mess with dad. He always provided. He always provided. So I have a memory. I have a memory of a father who, who act crazy at time and who was loving and disciplined and and guess what? We have an everlasting Father who's merciful and gracious and have your eternity, your eternity mapped out. And they shall call him everlasting Father. They will call who? The child. Who is the child? Jesus. They shall call him everlasting father that when things get rough and you need some advice he becomes a counselor but if you need protection he's your strength because he's daddy I thought about the movie and uh, with Denzel and uh, and these guys this guy would not get on the bus and Denzel went up to his face and says who's your daddy and, uh, and, he, and he had uh, the all, I mean, all the Caucasians were standing around and everything else, and he, he thought he was bad. He says, who is your daddy? And he wanted to play football so bad, he says, you are. Then get on the bus. And there are times when God talks to you and say, who's your daddy? You think about the fact that I... I called you before the foundation of the world. I've chose you according to Ephesians. I sent my son to die for you. I mapped out your whole future, and you got some type of a, a tidbit of an of a attitude. Who's your daddy? You are, Lord. Then stay with the plan. Get up, and let's get going.
everlasting father. His presence and security, prince of peace. He's not one who screams. He's one who comes to you softly and talk to you, speak to your heart. He's an everlasting father, prince of peace. You see how many hats he's showing here? He's showing these hats, I'm the prince of peace. One songwriter wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, and when troubles like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. The world may be going wild on the outside, but on the inside, it's well. I appreciate my son-in-law, uh, Brandon, uh, and, uh, and um, uh, Randy, I'm sorry. Randy, and he would say, um, you know, it's all good. He's not saying the whole thing is all good. It's deep down within, it is well with my soul. You can only say that when you get to know him. Job, when he lost his seven sons and three daughters, ten children, he'd been praying for them every day. When things start falling apart, make sure that your words are not describing the incident, but what's going on on the inside as well with my soul. I appreciate Mary and how she tried to, she stayed focused on the inside. And, and there were some scary things going around about this. Whenever somebody say cancer, they immediately someone think, I'm going to die, you know. But to know one thing, that to be absent from the, uh, from the world to be what? Be present with the Lord. It is well with my soul. When they diagnosed me to have cancer and, uh, uh, and that's why I brought it before the congregation. I said, I'll let you all know, and I'm going to walk through the process. I didn't know whether I would make it out of it or not. I just wanted you to know it is well with my soul. You know why? Because I learned that there's a prince of peace. That when every time those thoughts and those troubling thoughts come, I can say with my mouth, it's well with my soul. Let the storms roll. Burn the house. But you have to give my father permission to touch me. It's well with my soul. Is it well with you? Prince of peace. Prince of peace. To experience the, experience the benefits of this relationship, we must position ourselves to embrace it for the rest of our lives. To make this an experience that's an unforgettable experience, we must embrace. This is more than just scripture. This would be a way you should live for the rest of your life. It should define you as a person. And if it's not, question, why not? We come to the uh, last one then. You've been very patient. It is a productive gift. We, we, see, we see first the, the whole idea that it's personal. See, And then when you see that it's, it's personal, then we see how it's all of the, the business of it being personal. But we come down now to the productive gift. And when we come down to the, the productive gift, Let's read it together. Ready? Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. God says, I'm going to put my stamp on this one. This will not be a generic thing where you feel that I failed you. So, our observation. Three things that were said that should encourage our hearts. And we will wrap it up at that point. Number one, prosperity of his rule. Of the increase of his government and a peace there will be no end. His government will, get us now, increase. There are some folks who are saying that God has still not stopped, have not stopped creating. My brain starts, I have to get some water sometimes. My brain starts burning. Because when you start talking about this universe and the, billion, and the millions upon millions of, of stars and everything else, God is maintaining this inside of the universe, then how wide is the universe? And then is there an end to the universe? No. And as God continued to expand and expand and expand and expand, he will cut off, he have cut off of the productivity of man. He will not produce man, but we will be with him throughout all eternity. And his government and his rule, I cannot imagine what that is. But it's all wrapped up in the gift. If you don't know him, you won't get the gift. You won't have the protection, the peace, and all these other things. You will not have the gift. But if you have the gift and understand that this is entitled, uh, involved in the gift, then the next one, notice what it says, of the increase of his government and uh, peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. They were talking about the Jews. No, 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 no. Um, the Lord wanted to make sure that we stayed focused on this whole thing. See, he said, I have established your throne forever. On the throne of David, and guess what? The, the guy who was blind, Bartimaeus, says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The throne of David is really the throne of God. David is king, he honored David and everything else, but the throne of David, you see the throne here. Jesus is that, is that king. David was a man after God's own heart, but his rule in when he died. The permanence of his, his government rule, to establish it, to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forever. You see, you see what the, the verbs there, establish, uphold, you see? It with justice and righteousness from this time uh, forth and forever. God says, I'm, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm establishing this thing, and I'm going, I'm going to manage it forever. I'm glad I got a good guy, uh, manager like that, amen? I don't know whether you've had good managers in working. I've had some, and I won't waste the time talking about some of the bad managers that would uh, get on my last nerve. But, uh, but, but, but the guys come in and they try to manage you. 
I mean, because they're, quote, managers, I, I had to flip on one of them. I mean, not angrily, but the, the God gave me wisdom of how to do it. I, I was in um, uh, Pioneer National Title Insurance, and we, uh, we made sure that the documents were ready for the courthouse, over six uh, over the million documents or more. And, um, and so we had to produce some of these documents, and I was, on the cu I was cutting these documents. And this guy said, you're cutting it wrong. And after, after being on a, a, a lot of stress, you know, I'm, but the, you know, the, the, the Proverbs always calm my heart, you know. And he says, you should be cutting it such and such a way. So I said, well, how do you do that? He said, move out of the way. <laughs> and he started cutting and start cutting. And I said, wait a minute, you mean like, no, 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 not like that, like this, and like this, and like this. And it wasn't long before he realized he was cutting up a, a stack, and I was sitting there looking at him. He got up off of that place, walked out of the room, and never came back. But we have a wonderful governor a great counselor, and how he keeps things in order. Number one, he won't do your job. He'll tell you to do it, and you better do it. Amen? And then he'll equip you to do the job that you're supposed to get. Amen? The promise of his strength and stability and success. Notice what it says. The zeal of the Lord will do this. God says, I'm going to do it. It's God who is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God says, I'm going to do it. I can't handle it. God says, no, no, I'll do it. I'll will give you the will to do it, and then I'll equip you to do it, and then I'll reward you when you do do it. Wow. The Lord has put his royal seal on the reality of this taking place. So as we look at that, one last thing. Having a meaningful Christmas is not based on what you have in your hand, but whom you have in your heart. Christmas can be another yearly observance or a joyful reminder of a victorious life and an awesome future. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And when you think about all that the Lord has done, my prayer this morning is, oh, Lord, to help us as believers. We say Merry Christmas may become a meaningful Christmas, starting from what you've done spiritually, before, long before we look at what's going on physically. Thank you for all you have done. Lord, I pray for each one. I pray for their lives. And if there be one under the sound of my voice, help them to understand that they must realize that they are a sinner. That they can't, they were born in sin, born with sin, and that they can't save themselves. All have sinned come short of the glory of God. And that Jesus Christ died for their sins, rose again. And that those who trust Jesus and turn their lives over to him, and ask to be saved, they will. And so, Lord, I just pray right now 
that there's one on the sound of my voice, that they may have a meaningful Christmas, that they'll let Jesus Christ reign in their lives. Thank you for what you're going to do. Great is your faithfulness. And as far as the saints are concerned, help us, Lord, to stay with the plan. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.